Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. If you have your Bibles to open up to the book of Joshua, and uh, there should be some verses that will come up on the screen. If not, you can look on your phone. If you don't have your phone, uh, just fake it till you make it. Uh, but, but I want to share a, a story with you uh, this morning. It was uh, May 26, uh, 2010, and um, it was about 11 p.m. at night, and I was uh, in the middle of REM sleep, and I was woken up by an elbow to my side, uh, and the words from my wife said, wake up, it's time. I knew exactly what that meant, and I had the bags packed about a month before that, so we were ready, we were prepared, and so we made our way to Broman Hospital in Normal, Illinois. That is the name of the town. I lived in normal Illinois for 11 years, and I, I promise you that's the name of the town, but it is the most normal place in all the world. There's corn, beans, and Illinois State University. And so that's normal Illinois for you. And so we made our way to Broman Hospital, and my wife had been, um, had been laboring quite a bit all day. And so we got to that labor and delivery unit, uh, unit and um, this, was, this was our first child. We're getting ready to have our first child. Uh, I'm excited, and you need to know my background is my, 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 I have a teaching degree, but my minor is in athletic coaching. So naturally, the coach is always just going to kind of come out in different seasons. And so my wife is laying down. We had hired a doula. It was our first child, and we had the nurse, and then we had the OB. And so uh, this is like my wife's head right here. We'll just say this is like her head. And I'm just, I'm like, come on, baby, you got this, you got this. And then things started to intensify, and I had my hat, and I turned it around. I'm just like, all right, you got this. Breathe. Push. Good. Let's go. And so I'm, I'm, I'm coaching her, and we're doing this thing, and she's kind of looking at me, and she's like, and she's trying to focus, and she gave me the look. And so um, I'm, I'm hearing some conjecture between the doula and the nurse and the OB, and, um, and all of a sudden she's laboring, and I hear this word. Uh, she's in transition. And in that moment, everything for me froze, and I was like, oh, snap. Fat, go back four weeks prior to that. We were in our, 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 our laboring, our coaching class. They're telling us what's going to happen during labor. And so uh, there's all these really pregnant ladies and a bunch of guys that are there. They're just like, they don't care. But I'm like, man, I'm, I'm Coach Tony, so I need to get like, the instructions from the drill sergeant on how this is going to work. So I'm, I'm taking mental notes. And so uh, this nurse starts teaching us there's, there's early labor, uh, and then there's active labor. And then she gets this weird kind of grin on her face, and she looks up at the class, and she's like, and then there's transition, one of the hardest parts of labor. And then in the class, she just starts to describe the different symptoms that happen when transition comes about in the labor process. There could be some shrieking and some shriveling, uh, some shriveling of the mom. Just the voice takes on a different tone. Uh, the breathing definitely picks up. And so go back to that labor uh, scene, and, and I hear transition. And then, and, and then I look at, at the OB, and then the doula, and then the nurse, and then my wife. And I look down at my sweet mild-mannered wife, and she starts to shake. And there was this exorcism where her introvert left her body, and she starts shaking, and I, and I, and I see this vein kind of bulge right here. And a couple pushes later, she, mama had a baby. That was our first daughter. I have, I have a picture of our family somewhere. That's my wife, Kim. 
And uh, thank you. Uh, we've been married for 10 years. Uh, the oldest, the girl in the, the, with the glasses, that's Jace. She's nine. Kyle is seven. Blaze is a, a T-ball all-star. Um, he's going to be four here in a little bit. Or he's going to be five in a little bit, and that's our, that's our little man tribe. He'll be two here in a couple weeks. Uh, but, but I share that story with you this morning. It's because no one has, has felt the intensity of transition more than a woman in labor. And, and if there's any moms in here, uh, you can just go ahead and give me a little shout, a little, little amen, a little, just a little one of those. But for a woman who's in labor, transition is unavoidable. And I want you to know in here that if you're breathing and you're living and you're human, regardless of where you're at with God, regardless of how you feel about the church, regardless of where you're at with Jesus, I want you to know that transition is inevitable. And some of you are just like, well, that's, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not in transition. I would just, I would say this. I'm going to level the playing field for all of us, okay? You're either coming out of a transition, you're in the middle of transition, or you're about to step in to a transition. And I share the story with you because in the book of Joshua, there's a transition that takes place. And, and we're going to get there in a moment. But we need to understand that from birth to life, it's a series and a summation of transition. Transition happens. It's inevitable. It contains a series of transition where life is good, where we're heading one direction, and then all of a sudden something happens, and we're in the midst of transition. There's these movements that take place. The, the title of my message this morning is The Transition Gap. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, you can write that down. The Transition Gap. And I want to talk to you about this this morning. And, and transition is simply this. Here's the definition of transition. It's the gap between what was and what's to come. It's the gap between certainty and uncertainty, between the known and the unknown. It's the place where you go from here to there. It's somewhere between a butterfly and a caterpillar. You're not crawling, but you're not right quite flying yet either. Transition is the land between. And so there's this gap. And this gap can look different for, for different people. It comes in different shapes, sizes, and, and colors. This transition looks different. Uh, there, there's a gap between uh, engagement from the moment that you say yes and when you're married, the moment that you say I do. There's a transition there. And for me, uh, my transition from being engaged to being married was not awesome, Okay. Uh, I, I did not enjoy uh, the engagement period. I don't know about you, but I just wanted to be married. Y'all know what I'm saying? Cool. You'll get it in the morning. Uh, there's a gap between when you graduate junior high and you go to high school. Uh, there's a, a transition from when you graduate from college and you step into what's called adulting. Uh, there's a transition there. Uh, there's a transition in life where maybe for some of you, you're raising three kids and now they move out and now you're empty nesters. You're in, you're in transition. Uh, maybe for some of you, maybe transition looks a little bit harder, where the company comes to you and said, hey, we're, we're downsizing, and it's their nice way of saying, hey, we're getting rid of you. Uh, maybe for some of you, uh, maybe for you, transition looks like you, you were married, but maybe you're, you're widowed now. You lost somebody. But maybe you're in transition where someone comes to you in that relationship, and they just say, I don't, I don't love you anymore. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's where uh, mom or dad comes to you and, and breaks the news that, man, things, things aren't going to work out anymore. 
Uh, maybe it's, it's where uh, the doctors come to you and say, hey, it's not looking good. Or maybe transition happens when you get that call in the middle of the night. Or maybe it's transition for you where your, your middle-aged son or daughter starts to kind of step away from the faith, and so you're stepping into transition, the land in the middle. And so what naturally happens when we're in the midst of transition, there's a lot of these emotions that come and kind of rule the day in the midst of being in the land between. Uh, there's this gap, if you will, and, and what fills this transition gap is things like befuddlement and fear, and anger, and discouragement, hopelessness, frustration, insecurity, discouragement, disconnection. And so this is the birthplace of all these emotions that we don't want anything to do with. And it comes and it jolts us, and it rocks us, and we're not sure what's going to happen or what's going to take place. Someone once said, I couldn't find who it was, but someone said that you might feel helpless and hopeless without a sense of a map for the journey but confusion is the hallmark of a transition. So, so what happens is that we're in this tension, and if you're like me, when I step into a transition, I just like, look, just get me to the other side. Like, I just want to be done with it. Like, let's, let's fast track this baby. Like, let's get Amazon Prime shipping up in this mug and like, get me to the other side because I'm, I'm done with transition. It's like what the, the 1990s um, scholar Coolio said, I'll see you when you get there. It's just like, hey, I'll see you when I get there, but like, I don't want anything to do with being in the middle. Can anyone relate, to, relate with me this morning? Is that anybody here? I come to suggest to you today, because you're either in transition right now, you're coming out of a transition, or you're stepping into the transition gap. What I would offer today, what would it look like if we let... God, fill our transition gap. What would that look like? Everyone look up here. If your neighbor's asleep, just go ahead and elbow them. This is important. I want you to know that God does some most, most of his profound work when we're in transition. He does some of most of his profound work when we're in transition. And, and for you, you're in transition, you're coming out of it, or you're stepping out of it. Because sometimes the only way God can bring you into what's next is to take away what you're trusting in now. And this is personal for me because it was June 25th, 2013. I was a young pastor. I was doing youth ministry. And I stepped into the transition gap. I've stepped into a lot of them, but this was the hardest transition gap I ever stepped into. I have... Obviously, I was two years in, three years into having our, our daughter, Jace. My wife um, had just had our second, Kaya. And on June 25th, 2013, I had my, my overseer, the guy who hired me, came into my office, and he says, hey, I got to drop a bomb on you. I've got to let you go. Complete surprise, complete shock, no warning, no heads up, and I got released. And there really wasn't much given to me to take care of what I needed, but I stepped into the transition gap. And the Lord met me during that season. Uh, shortly after, about two weeks after, I was like, look, I got to get, get alone with the Lord to figure out what's, what's going on, what's happening. And I just wanted to, I wanted to move on. I wanted to get to the other side, but the Lord's like, hold on, slow down, cowboy. 
hold on. And um, I'll never forget, he, he, I was at, amidst holy grounds. He met me at Starbucks. How many of you guys know that God, one of God's covenant names is Jehovah Java? All right. And so he met me there. And uh, this is where a lot of this was, was birthed from. And I stepped into another transition gap uh, when we decided to say yes to planting Radiant Church. And we're coming up on one year. And you guys know what that transition is like when you step away of familiarity into something that maybe God's called you out of the boat to step into the water on. But we're going to read uh, from jo- Joshua chapter 3. How many of y'all know that God's word isn't just timeless, but it's timely? And uh, I, I believe that, um, that this, is, this is a word. I've, I've prayed, and um, I, I really feel like this is going to be a word of encouragement over, over this house, but, but for some of you individually as well. We do this at Radiant. If you could, could you stand? I know you do a lot of up, down in church. Um, but, but I just want to honor God's word. Just standing is a posture of readiness. And so let's just receive this today. Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to read the first six verses, and then I'm going to skip to verse 14. Joshua 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the Lord, uh, before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Skip down to verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And then it says this, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing on dry ground until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, we thank you for uh, Seeds Church. We thank you for what you're doing in this season. And uh, I pray that seeds would be scattered today from the word of God. Uh, I ask God that you would open up every heart, every eye to see you afresh today. Uh, Father, I pray that you, the wind of the Holy Spirit, would blow into the sails of every heart, every person here, regardless of their season. Lord, I pray that your word would be light unto our feet, be a light unto our path from, from, from what's ahead, from where we're coming from. And Lord, I ask that you'd give me precision and accuracy to preach your word in season. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. You can stay standing. Just kidding. You can see. The book of Joshua is an interesting book because it, it really... It's a book, it's one of my favorite Old Testament books. 
Uh, the book of Joshua is a book of culminating promise. For, for years, God has given this promise to his people that they're going to inhabit and take hold of a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and we see some transition uh, taking place. Uh, first of all, we see the transition in this text is just simply in Scripture. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the book of Joshua is kind of one big transition, a whole new writing style, a whole new historical narrative. It's also a national transition, uh, moving from uh, just being developed and, and being planted. Now, they're, now the, the people of Israel are now becoming a, a nation. They're, they're full on a nation. Uh, geographically and, and generationally, uh, they were wandering in the desert for 40 years because church folk were just different back then. And so uh, they were journeying in the desert for, for 40 years, and a transition was upon it. We, we read it here. Uh, they were wandering for 40 years, and so that meant there was a whole new generation that was about to cross over this Jordan River and entered into this promised land. And then we also see that there's a leadership transition. Moses has been the leader, and he led them, and now we see that he died, which we'll talk about in a moment, and then Joshua steps into this picture. And uh, this is important for us. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, I read it. I'm sorry, Joshua chapter, yeah, actually go to, if you have your Bibles, chapter 1 says this. If you don't have it, just listen to this. This is how the book of Joshua begins, okay? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that's how it describes Moses, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Awesome. So the book of culminating promise begins with an obituary. The book of culminating promise begins with a funeral. I mean, if you don't understand who Moses was, like Moses was the guy. I mean, he was the greatest action figure the Israelites ever had. I mean, you, could have, you had the staff. Uh, you had the rock where if you hit the rock, like water would come out of it. And so kids all over Israel were buying this greatest action figure ever. Uh, they, they had one, um, they had all the plagues. You couldn't buy the plagues separately, but you had to buy them all together. Uh, they, they had uh, the burning bush. Uh, that one was for like age 13 and up. Parental advisement, whatever, with that little, you know, little tag at the bottom. You know what I'm talking about, parents? And so he was the greatest action figure ever. And so for these people, and, and remind you, Moses was the guy that when Jesus was transfigured, it was Elijah. And who was the other guy? Moses. Like, Mo was the real deal. This was their leader, their pastor, their mentor, Joshua's discipler. But yet we open up the book of Joshua, and it begins with a funeral. But I thought it was a book of culminating promise. Listen, I just want to let you know something. There's a difference between plans and promises. The plans may fail, but the promises stand forever. And so here's what we see in the book of Joshua as we're reading about this, this transition of these people into the promised land. And so it begins with an obituary, with, an, with a funeral. Just, I can't imagine for Joshua, if Moses is my mentor and he dies... Did they have the leader ready conversation? This is how it works. Like if you're a leader, like, hey, do you feel ready to step into this? I feel ready. Great. We had the conversation. We're in unity. Let's move on. Was that conversation even a, a thing that took place between Moses and, and Joshua? I, I can't imagine. His mentor is, is gone. And so it's against this backdrop, Moses being dead, 
that God does something miraculous in the midst of this. And, and notice what he says. He, he says, hey, let's just let's take a few moments and Joshua, you just, you take a break. Let's just, let's mourn this a little bit and we'll, we'll move on. Just take some time. No, 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 no. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Cross over. God commanded it. God calls it. Listen, God, here's my first point that I want you to know from this text this morning, regardless of where you're at. God puts us in transition because you're, you're in need of a reposition. He puts us in transition because we're in need of a reposition. Now, we, we read it earlier. Is it ironic to anybody else? And, and maybe you saw it and maybe you're just like, what did he say? First of all, you know, I don't, I don't write the mail. I just, I deliver it. Is it ironic to anybody else? It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from... The place they're trying to get rid of is Shittim. <laughs> is that ironic to anybody else that the place that they're trying to get away from is called? <laughs> this was the last stop before the Jordan River. The Shittim and then Jordan River. The last stop. And so we don't know how long they were there, but the nation of Israel had actually been there once before. This was a place of familiarity. It was east of the Jordan River. That word means acacia grove. Just a bunch of trees everywhere. It was a meadow grove. Trees. I don't know what you do when you come to a bunch of trees, but I'm like, Ugh. and I just kind of sit under the tree or I, or I lean against it. I mean, it's not like, man, let's have a battle under this tree. Like, no, like, when you come to a tree, like, you're comfortable. Anybody else? See, for years, for months, we don't know how long, but they had been there, and they were setting, they were in a sedentary posture and position. But yet God wants them to possess the promised land. They needed to be on the move, and so they had to get repositioned. I mean, they were wanderers in the desert for 40 years. They needed to get over the wilderness, and so they come and they sit and camp around a bunch of trees. They were in need of a reposition, so God transitioned them, transitions them. They were comfortable. Listen, the greatest enemy and one of the greatest barriers to us fulfilling our destiny is not confusion. It's actually comfort. God is not a God of confusion, yes and amen. Y'all with me? But when it comes to comfort, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to comfort ourselves. We're to call on God as the comforter, 2 Corinthians 1. We're to comfort others with the comfort that we've received. But nowhere are we to make ourselves comfortable under a tree. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord like David did. But the greatest temptation in your and I's life is comfort. God is all, if you want to do anything great for God, it's going to happen outside of your comfort zone. I mean, we live in a comfort-centered Western world in America. We love our comfort foods, our comfort friends, our comfort rings, our comfort shoes, our comfort soles, our comfort mattresses, our comfort pillows, comfort inns. We want convenience and ease, and our culture is marked by comfort. So much so that if you're hungry and you want to go to Burger King, 
little Uber Eats, and man, I just want convenience. You come bring me my food. Like, you didn't have to go in the grocery store anymore. I'm all about the Kroger pickup. We use it. Come on. But listen, to really follow Jesus and to really come into your calling, at some point, sooner or later, you're going to have to step out of your comfort. That's the context in which Christianity sits in. And, and we associate the presence of God with comfort, and that is true. But anything that's uncomfortable, we're just like, that is Satan. Listen, the presence of God doesn't come in the midst where there's, there's an absence of comfort. L listen here. Comfort. Everyone say, just say comfort. Just touch the seat if you could. Just, just touch the seat. I just want to remind you how, just go ahead, just, it's cushy. It's cushy. Listen, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a, a helper and a comfor comforter. Y'all with me? Look at John 12, 13, 14, 15. Re read all that. 16. Jesus talks about it. If the Holy Spirit is the comforter, why would he want to give you comfort if you're already comfortable? Did y'all catch that? Y'all catching that? Y'all with me? Someone say amen if you're with me. It just got really quiet, which is cool. Let me share this. In 2013, I was born and raised in Illinois. Chicago, Illinois, same house, corner house, 3700 North Hawthorne, Schiller Park, Illinois, 60176. Same house for 23 years. Like I was on like the senior, senior plan in college. And so I lived in the same bed, literally, it was like the end of my bed and like my legs. Like I had the same bed, I slept in the same bed, same room, and there were, I was, I'm a diehard Bulls fan. Diehard Michael Jordan fan. Don't even get in the GOAT conversation because y'all ain't going to win that one. But literally, Michael Jordan, Bulls, Cubs, all over. And then on my wall was a life-size Michael Jordan poster. And so this was my life. And then I moved down south a little bit to normal Illinois, and I lived there for 10 or 11 years. Family was there. Friends were there. I mean, Illinois was awesome. Ridley Field was just a couple hours north. It was awesome. But you know what? It was also awesome and very, very comfortable. It was very familiar to me. And so, so when I stepped into the transition gap, I realized how comfortable I really was, which means I just sat in my comfort, but I didn't lean into the comfort of the Holy Spirit that we all have access to because I was just simply comfortable. I was in an acacia grove. I was just kind of sitting under a bunch of trees in, in the season that we're in right now. It's a, it's a season of, of difficulty. There's a lot of discomfort that comes with, with being a, a young church plant. And, and listen, if church planting was easy, everyone would be doing it. And so I've had to change the way I think about my discomfort. Is that it's an opportunity for me to get an upgraded revelation of the presence of God. When there's uncomfortability. Listen, God has more for you. He's got something prepared for you. But reposition, I want you to know that it allows us to get closer to God. And it's where God 
kind of recorrect some things in our life. And maybe for some of you, a reposition might be necessary. Maybe for some of you, you need to realign yourselves with his will for your life. Maybe for some of you, you need to re-up your faith and re-up your devotion to God. Maybe for some of us, you need to be re-dependent on God like you once were. Maybe for some of us, you need to reorient your view of who God is. For some, God wants to come and rearrange some furniture in your spiritual home to, to make some room for him. Maybe for some of you, you need to reclaim the promises that God has had for your life. Maybe for some of us, God wants to reshape you. And the vehicle and the pathway and the subway to transformation is through transition. God wants to move us from security to obscurity to better enhance and shape our identity. Some of the greatest invitations that we have from the Lord, some of the greatest invitations in our life will come in the midst of a transition. It will. In changing seasons. Transition is the tool that God uses to refine us. It's the classroom that God uses to teach us. It's the training ground for spiritual formation. It's the textbook in school for God to, for us to learn more about who he is. It's the subway to transformation. And so here's the second thing. Not only do we need a reposition, but maybe for some of us, when we transition, maybe there's some opposition that God wants us to encounter. And just that idea just doesn't feel right. Like, opposition, I don't want opposition. But notice here, for Israel, there was two oppositions. One, they've lost their leader, I mentioned that. But number two, and this is really, really important, is they came to the Jordan River. And I had the privilege to go to Israel this past year. And the, the Jordan River isn't very wide, at least when I went. The Jordan River it's important that it's actually a metaphor of transition in the Bible. There's some significant things that happen in the Bible at the Jordan River. Are you familiar with that? Here's a couple of them. It's where Elijah took his cloak right before he would, he would be taken up in a whirlwind, and he struck the Jordan River, and it parted. Elijah transferred his leadership to his protege, Elisha. It's where Jesus was baptized, transitioning in the New Covenant. But I want you to notice in verse 15, I want you to notice something. So I would encourage you, read this later. But the way that this story, it's almost building up. Like, oh, they're getting there. Like, God's coming and you got the Levites and the priests. And oh, we're getting there. And I want you to notice something in verse 15. Notice this. It says, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan... And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water. Come on, keep going. But notice the parentheses. I'm going to preach the parentheses real quick. Notice what it says. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Like even when I read it, like I had to like, I had to read it carefully. There's just random parentheses about this description of the Jordan River. Why is that? Why would anyone want to ruin a perfectly good story? It's flowing. They're getting ready. The priests are dipping their toes in the water. And then all of a sudden, there's these parentheses in verse 15. Why the report on the river conditions? Why the weatherman report on the time of year? Because the river is going to help us appreciate the miracle. Details are important. Listen, listen. Don't, don't. I'm just going to geek out for one second. It's so important. Just everyone look up here. Don't, don't. I don't want to lose you. The Jordan River 
is in the midst of the Jordan Valley. Again, I was, here, I was there this past year. And within the valley was the river's floodplain, which meant that it was packed and tangled with brush and jungle growth, and it would make it difficult to actually reach the river. And so because it was in the valley, there was a drop in elevation, which meant there was, a, there was, there was strong winds in the valley. But here's what also it meant. Valley, everything comes down. And so here's what this means. The details, again, are important. Notice it says the time of harvest. Do you see it? Is it up there? At the very bottom, the time of harvest. Now, in the Middle East, this was during the spring of the year, when the river, when it was in flood stage, it would make the river wider, wider, and deeper. Again, we're setting the stage for the miracle here. Normally, it would be about 90 to 100 feet wide and maybe three feet deep, maybe 10 feet deep, depending on where you're at. But because it was the springtime, it was probably more like a mile wide. And this was the most inopportune time to cross the Jordan. You don't cross the Jordan River during harvest time. You don't. I mean, for a good eight to nine months out of the year, it would have been really ideal to cross the Jordan River. But God, in his sovereignty... The purposeful, loving God called them to cross the river during harvest time. You couldn't, it would get past your knees like you would be, you'd be toast. I asked the question of the text. Here's the question. Why does the God of the Bible insist on flooding the river and having the Israelites cross at the most unfavorable, threatening time? Because God delights to show his wonderful face in the midst of utter helplessness. So that we can't help but contribute to our own deliverance. Listen, the size of the flood in your life will show you the size of the God in your life. Come on, somebody. God grins at flood stage. God loves impossible odds. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say it was going to be perfect in your eyes. Listen, there are things in the natural that are impossible. And for the nation of Israel to just even cross over the river, it would have been absolutely impossible in the natural for them to cross over that river. But listen, when you got saved, you were moved from the natural to the supernatural. You have a supernatural God living inside of you. He dwells inside of you. You might be roaming around in the natural. You can see things and touch things. But guess what? You have a sixth sense and the Holy Spirit is in you. You are a supernatural being who, who, who follows a supernatural God. And he'll use the natural impossibilities to bring out the supernaturalness in us for his glory. And that's exactly what happens here. Listen, y'all, God loves to show up and show off and change the narrative in the midst of grim situations. I can't say it enough, but transition is the greatest place to get an upgrade of revelation of who God is. He loves to bring impossible situations to our life. Look, I'm with you. I'm in it right now. I'm learning this. It's God's way of making himself more real. 
Leonard Ravenhill said this, God's not trying to bypass man because they're too ignorant, but because they're too self-sufficient. What transition does is it strips us of our self-sufficiency. And so God, absolutely, I'm not going to go there. Pastor Jenny can preach it later. But 1,000%, God wants to give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've said it, maybe you've seen it, that God won't give you more than you can handle. It looks great on a bumper sticker, but it's terrible theology. One person. I'll take that. I'll take that back to Brentwood with me. Thank you. So here's the last one. Provision. Transition is about reposition. Transition is always going to bring about some kind of opposition. But here's the last one, and I love this. It's going to set the stage for God's miraculous provision. Notice in verse 13, as soon as the priest's foot, little baby toe, touches that water, that river, It says that there was uh, a heap. It says it rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. Heap, it's it's this picture of where there was this solidified dam that had pushed the river that way. And then that way. And it says that they piled up in in one place. The, The water was completely shut off. And there was provision. And I remember when I first stepped into the transition gap... Uh, my wife had worked very hard. She, she quasi is, but definitely was a photographer. We had a, she had a photography business, very gifted, creative, talented. And, um, and we had used up all of our personal savings from the transition, from the moment that I got let go to the moment that I moved to Kalamazoo to come on staff at Radiant Church. We had no insurance plan, and our savings were pretty much wiped out. We had enough gas to put in our tank to wherever we were going. And I'll never forget that my boy Adam, who I had met probably about five years previous, very generous, very wealthy, and was just a bro to me. He said, hey man, how are things going? I told him what was going on, and he's like, well, you're going to get something in the mail next week. And so we didn't know where our provision was going to come from in the midst of the transition. And Adam sent me a sizable check in the mail to get us through for the next two weeks. And what I didn't know is that for every four weeks, Adam would send me a check. I didn't tell him to do that. Listen, if you're in the midst of transition, I want you to know that God will always give you provision. Always. There will always, he will never lead us to a place where he won't feed us. There will always be provision, no matter what kind of season you're in when it comes to transition. And so, where is God's provision in this text? Y'all, it's in his presence. The promise of God's provision comes when we're sitting in his presence. Notice in the text, there's this word, ark, ark of the covenant. Like, think like Indiana Jones, ark, sort of. But the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned 17 times in two chapters, and we just read chapter 3. 
17 times. It was like God was in this box. It was made of acacia wood. It was three and a half feet by two feet. It was covered in gold. and had two great big angels with wings. And it was believed that the literal presence of God dwelt in that ark. Israel wasn't going anywhere without the ark, without the presence of God. And so you might be saying, man, I'm standing on the banks of transition. I don't know what to do, how I'm going to get there. It's impossible. Listen, God's presence is going to enable you and empower you and enhance who you are in the midst of your waiting. God's going to show up in the midst of the transitional moments in your life. Listen, look back at at verse 3. I'm closing here. Listen, as soon as you see the ark, there it is, of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place, and here it is, follow it. And then verse 4, yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Here we go. Don't stay with me. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. When you're in transition, you don't know what the other side of the Jordan River looks like. There is uncertainty. There is ambiguity. There is not a lot of security. So what bridges that gap? The presence of God. The presence of God. That's the heart of transition. Verse 3, when it talks about the Ark of the Covenant, follow it. Verse 6, take the Ark and pass on before the people. Verse 11, behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. The ark was to go before the people. And the Bible says that it was, it was before them about one mile ahead. Now, let me, let me say this, and, and stand up with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. Stand up with me. Can everybody see me? Can you all see me? Put your hands up in the back if you can see me. Love it. It says that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was to go a mile ahead of them. And I don't know about you, but this is just me. If I'm in transition, I want the Ark as close as I can be. Like, I'm like, like I'm, I'm like, I can't touch it. Like, at least I couldn't back then. But I would be like, okay, like, I want to get as close as I can. Here's why I think that's significant. If that's the Ark of the Lord and transition is that way, over the Jordan River is that way. The Bible says, sorry if this jacks up the whole thing. A mile. Thousands of people. Jordan River. Ark of the Covenant. Who's the person way in the back? You, sir, with the hat? Can you see this microphone? Can, can, verbally? Let's see it. Can you go to the back row real quick? Hurry up. Hurry up. Give him a hand. I don't know who you are, hat man, but I love you. Can you see it? As far as you could be. Listen, the reason it was so far is because oftentimes in transition, the only thing that we're concerned about is what's right in front of us. So God says, 
Ark of the Covenant is out in front of you. The presence of God is leading the way. It's going to be your way maker when there is no way. He's going to make a way. You just keep your eyes focused on the presence of God. Get your eyes off of all of the, the circumstances and the ambiguity that's right in front of you and lift up your eyes to see God as the way maker to get you on the other side of the middle of what you're going through. Come on, somebody. want to close this way. One verse. You're in transition. You're coming out of transition. You might not need this message right now, but you're going to need it in the next season when you do transition. Listen, God doesn't want to just give you guidance in the midst of your transition. But Psalm 48, 14 says, for this God is our God forever and ever. Listen, he will be your guide even to the end. I just wanted to let you know that God's more interested in being your guide than giving you guidance in the midst of your transition. He's not just a travel agent, but he's also your tour guide. God isn't just scheduling your transition, but he's taking you through it. And the, this text ends that behold, the God, God's going to do wonders among you. If you're in transition... The plans might look a little grim. The plans might even be uncertain. But God's promises are yes and amen. And I want you to know, Siege Church, wonders are coming. Wonders are coming. God's doing a work. Wonders are coming. And so every, every, if you're comfortable, just hands out. I just want to pray for you right now. I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstance but God does. And the presence of the Lord is here. As soon as you walk through these doors, the presence of God was in this place and he's here. But the same God that met you today wants to go before you when you leave these doors. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the comfort and the power and the presence of God would fall on every person in Jesus' name. That there would be a canopy of peace over every person. And God, we ask that you would not just download guidance here and there, but God, you would be our God in the middle of what we're going through. I don't know her name, but she said, why don't you meet me in the middle? God, thank you that you meet us in the middle of wherever we're going through. That's a word for somebody. I don't know who that's for, but God just wants you to know that he wants to meet you in the middle. That's for somebody. God wants to meet you in the middle. Don't cry out or ask for anything, anyone else besides him because he's the one who's the promiser and his love is for you. So Father, I pray that you would come and meet every person in the middle. And I pray in Jesus' name that the power and the presence of God would meet Seeds Church in the middle of this season. We're all in seasons. We're all in transition. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would pile up one side and the other side a heap, and God, you would allow them to walk across. But until they do, I pray that they would not walk across with a lesser revelation of who you are. Father, I pray that you would give them hope and confidence and fuel for this journey, that, that they would not put the shade down as they're looking through that airplane window, but they would put it up to see the beauty that you created, to see the goodness of who you are. Yes. 
And so, Father, I pray that the healing hands of God would come and rest over this house in Jesus' name. I pray that you would infuse this house with power and might, and you would continue to do a mighty work in their midst, God, to reach Murfreesboro and, and Rutherford County and Middle Tennessee, that they would know that when you walk through these doors, regardless of what your plans and circumstances like, when you come through these doors, there's a promise and a promise-keeping God who wants to meet you in the middle of whatever you're going through. I pray that that would be this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.